morning. Can you all hear me okay? How about now? There we go. Good morning. Uh, my name is Patricia. I am the Kids and Creative Arts Pastor here at Radiant Life. Now I have to tell you, only one other time in my entire life have I ever stood up to prepare something and have one thing planned, and the Lord said so clearly, actually, Patricia, I want you to share this. <laughs> and yesterday morning as I was praying through what I was going to share today, it was one of those moments where this was what I was preparing, and I wasn't at peace about it, and the Lord said, actually, Patricia, that's because you're going to share this this morning. So this is going to be new for me, and it's going to be new for you, but I know that it's of God, and so I pray that you would hear what he has to say. So let me pray. Father, we do thank you that your love is fierce. We thank you that you meet us where we are, and we praise you for the Holy Spirit and for these supernatural things, these giftings that you give us, like peace and love and joy and faithfulness and gentleness and so on and so forth. Lord, I pray the one that we talk about today would truly root deep in each of us, that when we leave this building, we would leave changed knowing that you are God and that you have so much for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Scripture tells us that these are attributes, characteristics, if you will, uh, things that we as followers of Jesus, children of God, as Christians, are called to live out. And when we as a team were discussing having a teaching series on the fruits of the Spirit, I was given an option to choose which one I wanted to speak on. And I chose joy. Now, I know it's not the first in the list, but I couldn't think of a better one to start with because love and peace and patience and kindness and faithfulness and gentleness and goodness and self-control come so much easier when they are filled with joy. And a deep, a contagious joy, not just an empty joy. Now, our mission here at Radiant Life is to live like Jesus and share his love. I'd like to tweak that a little bit to live like Jesus and spread his joy this morning. Because if we are to live like Jesus, joy should engulf who we are because Jesus was filled with joy. Luke 10, 21 says, At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Now that is just one verse. If you were to go and research right now, you would find many, many verses in which Jesus was either filled with joy, anointed with joy, or he rejoiced in something that the Father was doing. And furthermore, if, if we are called to live like Jesus, we are called to live like God. And if we're created in God's image, then we should also be a people of joy because God created joy and God is joy. Psalm 1611 says, in your presence there is a fullness of joy. Now David wrote that. And if you remember who David is, David wrote many of the Psalms. And you will find countless and countless writings in which he praised and rejoiced in what God was doing. So if David was a singer of songs and he was a man after God's own heart, how much more do you think that God is a man of joy? 
that God is a God who wants us to be joyful too. We also read that in Job 38.7, that at creation, the morning stars sang together and all the songs, sons of God, shouted for joy. So we were created by a God who rejoiced over us. We were created to be a people of joy. And yet, statistics tell us that in a church of 500 people, 140 suffer from clinical anxiety or depression. So where is the joy? You might say, how can we have joy, Patricia, when our marriages are falling apart? How can we have joy when our kids are pulling away? How can we we have joy when parents don't want their children and when finances are so tight, we don't know where our next paycheck is going to come from? We know what scriptures say, you might say. So how do we find joy in the midst of all of the dark and scary things in life? I get that. Three weeks ago, I had a surprise visit from a university friend. And Matt and I were talking about just all the different things that God had done in our life while being at university together. We were praising him for the restoration and for the redemption that had taken place in our lives. And we even laughed about, you know, those silly exams that we had to to take and how we would pray that Jesus would just come before that exam actually came so that we wouldn't have to take it. And then, and then we, we praised the fact that we were able to pass the exam, even if it was by a sliver, because we forgot the distance between Jerusalem and Bethlehem. It was just a really joyful time, and it was so good to catch up with a good friend. But I didn't know that a week later, he would go to sleep and not wake up. His funeral was on Tuesday. And though we as a university and though we as friends and his family mourned the unexpected death of him, his funeral service was so full of joy because that was who Matt was. Matt was a friend who you could always count on being joyful because you knew he fully lived into who he knew Christ was. And that was amazing to me. But as his sister Alana and I, who had been my roommate, as we were chatting, she said something to me this week that really stuck. She said, Patricia, I know that scripture says, the weeping may last for the night, joy comes in the morning, but I'm waiting for the morning. And that stuck with me, especially knowing that I was going to be speaking on joy today. How do you have joy when you have a brother one day and then he's not there the next? How do you have joy when you know about all of the sins in your past? How do you have joy when you don't think you can live beyond your mistakes? How do you have joy in all of that? I think it's because we wait for the morning. We wait for the morning with little belief that it will come, and in turn, we end up living in the morning. Notice the difference in spelling. I want to introduce you to a little girl named Paris. Now, before I came here last summer to work as a fill-in youth pastor, I had been working at kids' camps, and I did that for three summers, two summers in Georgia and one in Canada. And I don't know how many of you have been to Georgia, but there are a lot of different little creatures there that aren't necessarily here. Um, I'm from Maine, and they're not necessarily in Maine either, 
For instance, fire ants, I sat in a bed of those once. <laughs> not good, not good. I had like 50 welts on my leg and it burned. But on top of that, they also had tons and tons of tree frogs. Now, we have tree frogs here, but it was like they rained there. And I had a group of girls that really enjoyed picking up these tree frogs and putting them in their pockets. And they liked to carry them around all day. And I had to tell them, girls, you cannot keep the frogs in your pockets because they're going to die and they're going to get smushy and all of that stuff. But they were like, okay, okay, Miss Patricia, but can we just keep one? Okay, you can keep one. They kept one frog and they named him Poppy, and they carried Poppy around with them all day. They had Poppy when we went to the canoes and kayaks. They had Poppy when we went to the bow and arrows. They had Poppy at lunchtime. Poppy was there. And at the end of the day, I had a little girl come up to me and she was crying. She said, Miss Patricia, Poppy died. And I said, Well, that's because you kept Poppy in your pocket all day. And she's like, Well, we, we have to have a funeral service for him. We have to pray for him. So we did. We had a funeral service for Poppy and we prayed for Poppy. And Jillian, one little girl, came up to me after. And all of a sudden, she was so full of joy. She was like, Patricia, What if Poppy comes back to life in three days like Jesus did? Wouldn't that be awesome? I loved working at these kids' camp with these kids because they were so full of joy and they were so full of life. And if I wasn't telling them to take frogs out of their pockets, I was telling them to take the boys out of the trash can because for some reason, when you have a crush on a boy, putting him in a trash can is what you do. Girls, you gotta take little Johnny out of the trash can. <laughs> But when I was in Canada working at a camp, Paris was the one child that has stuck with me. Now, Paris is probably the most difficult child I have ever experienced in my entire life. Now, I don't know how many of you have seen Shrek. Have you seen the movie Shrek? Some of you? Okay. So, you know how the princess, like during the day, she was just, you know, dainty and she was, you know, and at nighttime, she actually turned into an ogre. Like an actual ogre. And this was Paris. Paris, I mean, she, you know, she knew she, you knew she wanted her way, but during the day she just kind of did her thing. But at nighttime, something would switch on her and she would be a completely different person. By that, I mean she would run up and down the hallway, she would scream, she would spit on girls, she would throw books. I mean, she was awful. And as the head female counselor, my job is to protect my female counselors, who are supposed to protect all of the other girls in their cabins. And so it was a nightly ritual where I had to go in and say, okay, Paris, we've got to leave the cabin. And on a few occasions, I had to pick Paris up and say, okay, Paris, we are leaving the cabin. But I would try to talk with her out in the mess hall and say, Paris, what is going on? Is there something happening in the cabin that I should know about? What, like, Talk, talk to me. And she wouldn't. The fourth night, I had to take her out into the mess hall after we chased her up and down the hallways. I said, Okay, Paris, I don't want to have to tell you this, but I'm going to have to call your mom if you don't tell me what's going on. She finally looked at me and she said, I am angry. I said, Paris, why are you so angry? Keep in mind, this girl is eight years old. Paris, why are you so angry? She said, because I don't think anybody loves me and I don't have a reason to live. Eight years old. And I said, Paris, why do you think that? And she began to tell me her story. 
She had been in foster care after, you know, she was in foster home after foster home. Then she was finally adopted into this family that she didn't think loved her. And on and on she went. And the more that she shared her story, the more that I realized she was telling me mine. (laughs) And I knew that the only thing that got me out of being that little girl was the joy and hope found in Jesus Christ. And so I knew in that moment, I have to tell this girl about Jesus. I have to tell her that there is someone who loves her unconditionally. I have to tell her that there is hope and that there is joy. And because there is hope and because there is joy, there is a reason for her to live. And I got to pray with Paris. And then I got to tuck her into bed. And she went to sleep like that. And the next day, she was a completely different person. And, you know, throughout the day, she was just so full of joy. And she, you know, interacted with the other kids. But I kept waiting for the night. I said, okay, you know, but I know this happened, so Lord, like, be with her, be with me. But night came, and she came to me, and she gave me the greatest hug. And she said, I'm going to sleep well tonight because I know that Jesus loves me. I know what Jesus can do. Now, I do have to tell you, if ever I am behaving badly or like an angry child... Don't put me in time out. Tell me to go be with Jesus. Because as Matthew Harrison said, where there is Jesus, there is joy. And I have found that to be true in my life, and I watched it become true in Paris's life. Luke 2.10 says, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Whoops. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. You see, from Jesus' conception to Jesus' resurrection, there was joy. Not to say that there wasn't also deep sorrow, but Jesus placed his hope in something greater, God. And God is deeper than any sorrow. The joy in which we seek, the joy in which we hunger for, is only found in Jesus because it's through him that we receive life beyond all of the dark and scary things. You see, that's how Alana and I and all of Matt's family are able to rejoice today, because we know Matt is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And we know that he is in one of the most joyful places that he could ever be, and he is rejoicing in the presence of God. Jesus' life was marked with joy. And because of that, through the Holy Spirit, we can be joy-marked too. Calvin Miller, who is one of my favorite authors, said this, Joy is the emotional response to God's presence in our lives. Happiness is the emotional response to our circumstances in life. Notice there's a difference between the two. Joy is internal. Happiness is circumstantial. Joy remembers salvation and anticipates eternity long before it caves in to today's pressure. You see, joy comes in being created by God, being found in Christ, and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Joy is good news. Joy is the gospel that the angels came to Mary with and said, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Joy is God, and if joy is God, then of course the enemy would want to take that from us. So we must... (laughs) We must take time to be in God's presence if we ever hope to be a light in a world that needs joy. 
if we ever hope to be that radiant life that we're saying that we live on the inside, if we ever want to bring that on the outside, we have to spend time in the presence of God. But I haven't even told you the neatest thing about joy yet. You know that there are 326 occurrences of the word joy, or similar, like rejoice, in the New Testament. Kara is one of them. It's an inner, inner joy. It's deep. And then there's karen, which is to rejoice. But do you know that both of those words have the same root word, kar, which is the Greek word for grace, charis, which if you think about that, joy is rooted in grace. If there's anything I want you to get today, it's that. That joy is rooted in grace. So those mistakes, those broken pieces, those things that you know aren't good about you deep down inside, those can be forgotten because there is grace. Those can be forgiven because they've already been met with grace. They are redeemed, and because they are redeemed, you are made new. And when you realize that, joy just begins to pour out of you because you know that there is hope and there is life beyond that. I remember the first time it connected for me. I was sitting in a university classroom, and our theology of worship professor asked the question, how many of you in this room are adopted? And I was like, okay. And I was the only one in the room. And then I was like, I don't want to raise my hand. But I did. And she said, okay, correct me if I'm wrong. Adoptive children normally struggle with figuring out where they come from. They struggle with feeling unloved. They feel like there's nothing beyond that because for some reason, at some point, somebody didn't want them. And I was like, well, I mean, yeah, I guess that's stuff that we struggle with. And I will never forget, she picked up this book and she looked at me and she said, but aren't you so glad to know that this is your story? to know that this is where you come from, to know that you are worth something, to know that there is a God who loves you deeper than anything you could have ever imagined. And I don't know why it just clicked for me in that moment, but it did. And like, I started to cry and I started to laugh. Like, I couldn't control it. I felt like a crazy person, almost borderline Ebenezer screws on Christmas morning, but not quite that bad. But it was because I realized that there is something so much greater than all of the messy pieces of life and that we can rejoice and that we can live joyful because God is who he says he is. We are a forgiven people. And because we are a forgiven people, we can be a people of joy. We must be a people of joy because we hold the greatest truth in all of the world and that is the good news. That is the gospel. So with that, I want to encourage you to live joyfully despite all of your mistakes, despite the things you feel guilty of, because God is greater than all of that. Seriousness is not a fruit of the Spirit, but joy is. This is a quote taken from a video that I want to share with you in a few moments. Um, we're going to get ready for the ushers to come in, um, and, and we'll do offering while the video is playing. But this video captures joy in such a contagious way. They shared it with us at um, a leadership retreat back in January. And um, this, this Christian group put this video together. It's called The Art of Celebration. And he talks about 
joy and how we are to live a life of joy. So I want you to watch this video. The guy does have an Irish accent, so there are some words that you might want to tune in a little bit carefully to, but it's awesome. And so I hope that you enjoy this video.